This podcast was first broadcast on 92.6 FM Radio Verulam. Go to radioverulam.com to find more Environment Matters podcasts and, if you enjoy what we do, to find out how you can support the station, which is run entirely by volunteers. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Environment Matters with me, Amanda Yorworth. Environment Matters is the show that brings you news on issues of sustainability and the environment from around St Albans and from further afield. Now, in researching this show, I came across this phrase on the RSPB website, wildlife warms the heart on a grey day. Well, we've had plenty of grey days recently, haven't we? Made all the greyer without the colour that social interaction would normally bring. And more and more of us have had our hearts warmed by the sight of a robin in our garden, squirrels playing hide-and-seek in the park, or a red kite wheeling overhead. So on today's show, we're going to look at two ways to help you and your family reap the benefits that nature has to offer in these difficult times. Later, Frida Romanhol from the Hearts of Middlesex Wildlife Trust has important news for homeschoolers with the launch of Wild at Home Winter Term. But first, Dan Fletcher of St Albans RSPB emailed Amanda at RadioVerulam.com to ask if he could come and tell us about this year's Big Garden Bird Watch. Something different to do at the weekend? Come on, Dan, tell us all about it. Well, Dan, we are all at home this year, aren't we? So we can all join in with the RSPB's annual Big Garden Bird Watch. So just for the newbies amongst us, what do we have to do? Hi, Amanda. Yes, Big Garden Bird Watch is, is coming up. And as you say, everybody can join in because uh, everybody should be in, in some sort of position where they can watch what's going on between the 29th and the 31st of, of January. And Big Garden Bird Watch is very simple. It's basically pick an hour, an hour during daylight, when you can watch birds in your garden and just count the number of different species that you see, different types of bird that you see during that time and keep a record of that and then send it to the RSPB. You can either send it on paper or you can register it online. And it can be a green space that you're overlooking from your house or something like that. It doesn't have to just be uh, your very own garden there, does it? That's right. So you don't have to have your own garden. You can uh, watch from from a park or a green space. You just need to choose that spe- choose that area and yeah, and watch for an hour. And when you fill in your details, you describe the sort of area that you've been watching, how big it is, and how many, how many trees and bushes and things like that are in it. Now, the Big Garden Bird Watch is going to be even better this year with the addition of Big Garden Bird Watch Live. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? That's right. Well, I don't completely know how that's going to work out because it's the first time the RSPB has done this. But what, they, what they're planning to do is to bring different experts along online to bring photos and video and, and facts about the birds that are being seen during those, those three days, 29th to the 31st of January. It's going to make it a little bit more interactive. And I think that's one of the great things about Big Garden Birdwatch is it's something that lots of people around the country are all doing roughly at the same time. And so this will make it even more of a community effort. And also, I'm thinking it might make it a little bit more interesting for kids as well. I mean, I am I being unrealistic, thinking that many kids will want to watch birds for an hour? Perhaps this might help, you say, the, the interactive aspect. Or do you think perhaps sitting down with a pair of binoculars for a bit of novelty or a bit of competition to see who can spot the first bird? Do you think this would work with children? I, it does work with children. Every year it does. So I guess that's one thing. I, 
perhaps the more birds you have in your garden, the, the, the better it's going to be. If you only see one pigeon during that whole hour, that might be a bit hard to entertain a child watching birds. If, if there's a reasonable amount of birds coming and going, then it does make it interesting. And there are ways, it's, it's sort of, it's like I spy, isn't it? It helps children to be observant, to be able to watch things in all corners of the garden that they're overlooking and maybe helps with numeracy if it's, it's counting lots of different birds as well as observation. And the big garden bird watch live, as, as you say, there'll be stuff on, on screen to have a look at and, and to engage with when the birds are a little bit quieter as well. So hopefully it's something to keep people engaged for a whole hour. Yeah. Okay. And just to clarify, we don't need to be a bird watcher or to know about birds. We get help with all that stuff, don't we? I want to identify things. Garden birds are the sort of the more familiar birds that you're likely to be looking at. You don't need to be to, yeah, to be an avid bird watcher and to sort of tell your lesser yellow legs from your greater yellow legs or, or whatever it might be. You just need to be somebody who can spot a few birds in the garden. The RSPB do provide sort of checklists of things that you're likely to see with photos. There are guides on their website where you can put in details of birds that you've seen and, and it will throw out what, what it is that you'd like to be looking at. So it, it should be relatively straightforward for, for people to be able to just keep keep a tally of, of the birds that they're seeing. And, and a lot of those birds will be things like uh, sparrows or starlings or blackbirds or, as I said, wood pigeons, things that most people probably can identify if, if, if push comes to shove. Yeah. And as you said, it might only be everyday birds or we might not see anything. Does it matter? The Big Garden Birdwatch is, is a form of, of citizen science. Non-scientists who are contributing to a scientific experiment, if you like, that, that's across the whole country. And no result is is actually a result. So if you don't see any birds in your garden, that is part of the information that the RSPB needs. It helps them to know how well birds are doing in gardens and no birds in a garden shows that they're not doing very well at all. So even if you have nothing to record, that is helpful. Or just, just a few birds, that, that that's also very useful. And lots of people say that uh, you know, the, the hour that they choose to watch, nothing or very little turns up. And as soon as the hour is over, that's when all the birds come out and, and start crowding around their garden again. But that's, but that's, the... that, that's science. That, that's a result that, that can be useful. Yes. Well, it has to be said, mine is that garden yes. where as soon as I even mention the words Big Garden Bird Watch, every bird seems to disappear. But I was thinking this year I could put up a bird feeder just to sort of attract the, uh, attract the birds in. Would that be cheating? Is that a good idea? It would be absolutely encouraged. It's not cheating at all. And birds do need help at this time of year, particularly when it's very cold. So bird feeders are are not just useful for the big garden bird watch. So you can see some things in your garden, but they're they're actually important for for helping nature in general. So if you're able to put up peanuts, maybe on the RSBB website, there's guides to making your own bird food out of things like suet or or lard mixed in with some seed seed mixes. Those you can stuff those in an empty coconut shell or into a an upturned yogurt pot. Um, there's all sorts of things that you can do to put food out in your garden to help birds. So yes, do do that. Set it up beforehand so the birds are used to the food food being there. And that should mean that you see, see a few more birds than you might have done otherwise. Okay, excellent. Well, I'll be trying that then. So you, you said how the Big Garden Bird Watch is not just a bit of diverting fun. It is actually important citizen science, isn't it? Can you just tell us a couple of things that is achieved over its 40 years? I think one, one of the things that it's, it's shown is how different birds have, 
have either done well or, or haven't done well. And as a result of that information, particularly when birds haven't been doing well, some conservation activities might be able to go in place to, to help them. Um, another thing that it's, it's done is highlight where birds have been perhaps getting sick or disease has, has been going through populations like with uh, greenfinches had a problem that was, was affecting their feet in particular and a parasite that was being transmitted between them. And the, the big garden bird watch has been able to show where the, the numbers have dipped and, and then fortunately how, how they've recovered again. So that sort of annual dip in the state of health of, of, of gardens is, is important because it does guide conservation efforts that go on other times of the year. And I guess that, that also does remind me as well that uh, with putting out food for birds in the garden, it's also important to try and keep those feeders clean as well. The RSPB recommends maybe every every two or three weeks going through and, and, and cleaning the bird feeders that, that you'll put out there just to help stop um, diseases from being transmitted from one bird to the next. Um, if, if parasites do build up on the bird feeders, it, it, it's, it's better if you can empty them out, give them a, a wash with some a dilute soap mixture and then dry them and then, then um, put them back up again. That, that will help keep the birds safe. Well, just the same hygiene that we're being encouraged to apply to ourselves is good for birds and stopping their pandemics as well, isn't it, I suppose? So this is all good for birds, but how about being good for us as well? Is it really true that watching birds can be good for our mental health? It, it is true. Studies have, have shown that to be the case. And also the, the more birds or the more types of birds that you see seems to have a, a positive impact on, on people's mental health. So again, putting out bird feeders with and maybe with different types of food to attract different sorts of birds, different species will um, bring more things into the garden. And, and that, that does, does help. But I think just, you know, it, it's sort of common sense, isn't it? To have an hour where you sit and you just focus on things outside of yourself. You focus on something that, that's, that involves um, noting things and, and doing something for, for other, other people in terms of this community sort of citizen science effort. Those are all positive things that, that you, they can only be a, ben- a benefit um, to, to you and, and to other people. Just to finish off, are there any birds in particular that we might see, you know, just round about our gardens or parks at this time of year? There, there are certainly the, the winter species. The, the red wings and field fairs seem to be doing very well. The red wings are, are like a, a winter version of the song thrush with a bit of a, a red underneath its wing and, a, and an eye stripe. Um, and field fairs are uh, sort of a large, like a large missile thrush, but a bit more colourful. Th- th- those are certainly around, and as it gets colder, they're coming into gardens more. Something to look out for as well is, is the brambling, which is um, a, a, a sort of a winter version of a chaffinch. Um, and uh, that's, that's appearing in a few gardens at the moment, as are some siskins, which are, um, uh, again, finches, um, little green finches that, that do come to some gardens. And a number of gardens are, are finding black caps are, are in there. So black caps are a type of warbler. They normally come here in the summertime, but some German black caps migrate over to, to the UK in the wintertime and do frequent gardens. So the male black cap uh, has a, a black cap and the female has a brown cap. And otherwise, they're pretty much brown birds. So they're, they're reasonably easy to, to identify. Well, that's what we like to hear. Easy to identify is definitely the kind of bird I like, Dan. Um, Thank you very much indeed for coming and explaining all that to us. Okay. And if people want to find out a little bit more, they can go to the RSPB St Albans um, website. um, We've got details about the Big Garden Bird Watch on there. And if you want to send us your bird findings as well, we're, we're going to try and compile a little bit of a list of who the top 10 garden birds are from the from the big garden bird watch just in our district as well so uh, feel free to to contribute to that as well as the the broader broader efforts but fantastic that sounds great and i'm sure we'd love to hear about that too dad thanks very much indeed you're welcome thank you 
and do go onto the RSPB website or St Albans RSPB website where you'll find everything you need to know. You can, of course, order bird feeders online or local garden centres like Aylets and Carpenters do have them in stock too. Now, during the first lockdown, Hearts and Middlesex Wildlife Trust put together a weekly action pack of wildlife-related home learning materials that they called Wild at Home. And this year, Wild at Home is back again, but now better than ever. I spoke to Frieda Romanhol of the Hearts and Middlesex Wildlife Trust to find out all about it. Frida, congratulations for being so quick off the mark. I mean, it didn't seem to be moments since the schools were shut down that Wild at Home was up and running again. You must be really proud of it and you must actually be working really hard on it. Is that right? Well, yes, but it's also a great team effort. And to be honest, all the knowledge is in my colleagues' heads. So the online talks is going to be presented by my wildlife expert and conservation colleagues. And they know about this stuff. This is their daily business. And it's just a matter of bringing that to to the children, really. So they've got lots of fantastic stuff and they're just dying to share it. So Wild at Home is aimed at homeschoolers. What age group is it suitable for? So we're currently looking at around primary school age children. Obviously, we don't discriminate. We don't judge you. If you don't have any children, would still like to join our talks, would still like to join the Wild at Home winter term, please do feel free to sign up. Definitely, uh, everyone's welcome. But the activities themselves are more aimed at sort of primary school age. This year, Wild at Home, you added to it to make it even better. What, what have you added? So we have added a range of online events. So starting in uh, on the 11th of January, we are um, offer- we're offering five weeks with different themes about different kinds of wildlife, different animals. So we've got a twice weekly online talk for the children run by my colleagues. So they are run on Tuesdays and Fridays. They are the same. So it's basically just which time would suit you best. And then after you complete every week, you can take part in all the activities. You can download many more resources from our website. Uh, You can colour in your wild child badge. And once you've got all the activities, all the badges coloured in, just send a photo to us and we'll send you your wild child certificate. That all sounds good and quite clear. So we find all of this information on the Hearts and Middlesex Wildlife Trust website. Nice and easy to find. Exactly. Yeah, you can you can go to the website heartswildlifetrust.org.uk forward slash wild at home. So we've just been talking about how engaging with wildlife can help the mental health of adults. Is there any evidence that children benefit in the same way? Absolutely. Yes. Being in nature, being with nature is crucial to children's development it helps them playing in nature for example helps them develop skills and confidence and social interaction so there's so many studies that prove that children need nature just as much or maybe even more than adults do okay and presumably you know this time when a lot of us are stressed presumably children are stressed too it could be really helpful for them yes i think so um free play in nature or just 
going out discovering what's living in your garden it's just a great way to just switch off focus your mind on something else we always think that we need to switch off but children do feel all the stress that is going on with the pandemic as well and they need to switch off just like we do maybe they don't talk about their stress as much as we do but they still feel it and being in nature just going out for a walk let them explore nature let them let their fantasy run wild create a stick that can be anything there's so many activities so many ways you can engage children with nature but obviously not only that but also the this is the future generation so if they don't love wildlife if they don't love nature they don't have any incentive to improve it to help protect it so it's vital that we keep our children wild Indeed. And hopefully Wild at Home will help them um, form that connection with nature, which will be good for them. And as you say, in the future, good for the nature that they're interested in too. So you ha- you had Wild at Home last year during the first lockdown. Do you have any evidence about how useful people found it and whether it was appreciated? Yeah, um, we've had lots of people sign up. We've received new donations. Lots of people joined as a member. Lots of people took part in our activities and shared their activities online. We received so much positive feedback about how Wild at Home helped them keep that connection. I mean, it was a lot of love we put into that campaign, but also a lot of work. And it's great to see that people appreciated it. And it's really great to see that it helped people. Indeed, I hope that the Wild at Home winter term will help them and be appreciated by them this time. Frida, thank you very much indeed for telling us all about that. Thank you so much, Amanda. To find out more and to sign up for Wild at Home winter term, go to the Hearts and Middlesex Wildlife Trust website. And if primary school is, uh, well, a distant memory, then you might be interested in the Hearts and Middlesex Wildlife Trust 60-minute talk and Q&A session, giving a brief introduction into the geology of Hertfordshire and Middlesex and reviewing how this affects the sighting and nature of uh, the Hearts and Middlesex Wildlife Trust nature reserves. The event's on Thursday at 7 o'clock and you'll need to book on the Hearts and Middlesex Wildlife Trust website. It's always good to hear from you. Get in touch via Twitter at RV underscore environment or via the Environment Matters Facebook page or you can drop me a line as Dan did at amanda at radioverland.com if you've got a comment about the show or ideas that you would like me to cover. I'm going to be back at the same time next week. Until then, stay safe and thanks for listening. <laughs>